Welcome to Eastgate Church. I trust you'll find this message inspiring and encouraging for you today. So I just want to encourage us all at the beginning of this year. It is a new year. And, um, and it will be what it's going to be. It's going to be what you determine it's going to be. And um, so often, you know, you can look and you can see the, the darkness of the year. You can just look at all the, 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 the forecasts of um, poverty and debt and, you know, and um, it's, it's going to be a bad year to turn us. There's going to be a lot of unemployment. There's going to be a lot of this chaos, whatever. But listen, I would rather see the good, what's the better things that's going to happen this year. And it, well, you need to speak the good things and say, this is going to be a good year for me, but it'll be as good as you want to make it. And then you need to set your path, which will be reflected in the word here this morning. But as I say, it's a time, isn't it, New Year? It's a time for sober reflection. I deliberately put the word sober reflection in front of reflection. It's a time of reflection. Sober reflection is a time of assessing things, looking back, looking forward, seeing where you're at, seeing what your circumstances are. You know, the world is usually at this time is waking up to a massive hangover, uh, not only from alcohol or whatever other substance that they may have been taking over the course of the whole Christmas mad period, but the, it could be debt. You know, you've just spent too much. You've ate too much. You've indulged too much in whatever that might be, sitting in front of a wee square box, watching all the, 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 the TV, and you've not really had too much time to really spend with the Lord. But So it's a time of sober reflection for the world, but how much more so for us in the church of the living God? I've got a time of revaluation, evaluation, just to have to take stock. You know, that, well, usually around business, not what that means, to take stock. You do a stock take, don't you, and you see what's... What, what we have and what, what's went out and what's, what's sitting in the storehouse. But taking stock of yourself, this is a good time to take stock. I always think it's the wrong time of year. We should never have New Year in the winter depths of winter, dark and foreboding. You know, we should have it in springtime, lambs and daffodils and life, grass is starting to grow and, um, and it's starting to get a bit warmer. And, um, but glory to God, that's when we take stock. But it is a time for us of reflection. And I want to encourage every one of us this morning, it's a time for saying, taking stock in myself, sitting back, finding a quiet space, and then having a good look at yourself. Do you know, it's good to have a good look at yourself. I do that often, every morning in the mirror, I have a good look at myself. You're confronted with yourself, but do you know what I mean? But do you know, this Bible says, this is the mirror. Having a good look in the mirror of the Word of God. Having a good look and see what that is, what you see back coming from this Word. Hallelujah. And the natural. So thinking of a Word... And you're always thinking, I need to get a word for New Year, you know, and a word of blessing. Not only have I got to set my course and my direction, but it's, there is a responsibility to the church as well. And where do you think we're going? What we're what we hoping to achieve? And um, But unfortunately, and I'll, I'll say unfortunately for any pastor, you need the people really to be following and, and, and rolling up their sleeves and, and getting involved. Or else you're just, you know, you're just running about like a headless chicken. And everybody else just pops in, high five you on the Sunday and high fives you on the way out and then we'll get another high five the following Sunday and, and it's like just, I'm here but don't ask me to do anything or, you know, I'll, I'll, just, I'll, just, I'll be here and, and that's the end of the matter. And what we've got to do, realize guys, it's we have to realize we've been called into a community and Paul wonderfully relates that to the body, doesn't he? You know, and he says every, every part of the body has a function. Every part's got a part to play. That's going way off track. Never even planned to say that, but it's just starting to come out. But it's good, isn't it? And then um, for a healthy body to function, every, every part of your body needs to be functioning. If my legs were not functioning, I wouldn't be here this morning or else Linda would have to have wheeled me in. 
So we need every part to be playing its part. It's got a part to play. And in the economy of God, you need to come before God and we say, God, where do I fit in in this body? What part have I got to play in the economy of God? And I want to challenge all of us as I challenge myself first and foremost because the Word of God is always going to be speaking to me before it speaks to you. And I just want to encourage you in this and to get before the Lord. So a portion of Scripture that I'm going to read and then hopefully I'm going to unpack it. I'm planning to not go beyond 20 past 12 or I may finish before then. I've decided I need to stop at a certain time because I've got the children through the back now and I have to be aware as well. Gillian was really struggling to get to work last week. But thank God, I loved that sharing service last week. Guys, can I just say as well, loved that time of sharing last week. Really blessed and inspired and encouraged by it. But I'm also got to be conscious as well that people have got things to do and go. And therefore, I'm going to make sure that I have to bring a word within a period of time so that we all know where we're coming from. Glory to God. So you'll find the word today in the book of Deuteronomy and chapter 10. And I will probably break in at verse 11. I'll give these glasses if you're up here. Chapter 10, we'll break in at verse 11, and we'll read a few verses. And it says this, Then the Lord said to me, Arise, and begin your journey before the people, that they may go in and possess the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. And now Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all of his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, to keep the commandments of the Lord and the statutes which I command you today for your good. Indeed, heaven and the highest heavens belong to the Lord your God, also the earth with all that is in it. The Lord delighted only in your fathers to love them, and he chose their descendants after them, you above all peoples, as it is to this day. Therefore circumcise the foreskin of your heart and, you, and be stiff-necked no longer. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality or takes no bribe. He administers justice for the fatherless and for the widow, and he loves the stranger, giving him food and clothing. Therefore love the stranger, for you are strangers in the land of Egypt. You shall fear the Lord your God, you shall serve him, and to him you shall hold fast and take oaths in his name. He is your praise, he is your God, who has done for you these great and awesome things which your eyes have seen. Your fathers went down to Egypt with 70 persons, and now the Lord your God has made you this, as the stars of the heaven in multitude. Hallelujah. And may the Lord bless his word to us this morning. Just a little heading of that, we, we see very clearly here that the Lord is reinstating the law, the law of the Lord. And, um, and we see there that Moses, in the first time when he came down from the mountain with the tablets, that the Lord, the finger of the Lord, wrote the laws on these stone tablets. And because the people had quickly turned away from God and established a golden calf, Moses, in his anger and his rage, and rightly so, smashed these tablets and um, before them, and then just got before the Lord and then had to go back up and intercede the Lord for another 40 days and stand in a gap or else God was going to destroy the whole lot of them. Even gave them Moses that option. Moses, I'm going to destroy the lot of them, but I'll make a great nation out of you. Now, that was quite tempting, wasn't it? You know, like, that sounds a good idea, Lord. You know, so get rid of this multitude who are driving me mad and I'll bring, you a, I'll bring you a whole new generation through you, Moses. And thank the Lord that Moses had the heart of the Lord 
who stood in a gap and interceded for them, lest anger of the God would have wiped them out. Hallelujah. And the plans and purpose of God. So the book of Deuteronomy starts with Moses recapping the journey, taking them through the, you know, the, 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 the trail of the wilderness. And now they're coming to the end of that and they're now looking to again and take the land. But the first thing that gets established again, he emphasizes the law. You know, that's sometimes in many, in, in many circles within Christmas, and we say, we don't do the law, it's grace, brother. You know, the law is finished, get rid of the law. It's all grace and love and peace, joy, man. That, these are words I used to hear in the hippie crew when I used to run with them. You know, usually I had uh, something in my fingers at that time as well, smoking away there, and it was love, joy, and peace. And we don't want the law, we don't want that. You know, we don't need these restrictions and be told what to do. It's like children, we hate getting told what to do. Is it your children different from mine? I don't know, mine's well, just never like getting told what to do. There's that wee rebellion. You want to do your own thing and go your own way. And then um, we, we, we dislike that being restricted by the words and by the law. We set laws in place. And we know that the Lord here has is, is given us his law. And the very start of that, Moses then says that, you know, that the Lord then wrote out two new stone tablets with the finger of God and printed the law, the Ten Commandments which was going to be the very essence of the people here. I've just wrote down this, the essence of the law. You know, because there's, uh, you know, the, the Pharisees, you know, they, they, they did not interpret the law as it should have been interpreted. It was, it was too barbaric. It was too, it, it was too dictational. It was too aggressive. And they, were, they, they missed the love of the law, which ultimately was the very basis for the law. Therefore, the essence of the law, though times have got this, though times and customs change, God's law served as a bedrock of guiding ideals to help the people of God live in such a way as to love the God and their fellow man. Did Jesus not say that when he came and preached came to shove and he says, what is the greatest of all the commandments? And Jesus says, love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your being, and love your neighbor as yourself. And it's that easy to say we love God kid ourselves on actually sometimes, but then it's a wee bit harder to love your neighbor, isn't it? You know, those who are sitting next to you on either side of you or maybe in the, the other quarters, wherever that might be. You know, people are a wee bit more difficult, aren't they? You know, and it's nothing to do with me. It's the people, it's the problem. Always point fingers pointing back at ourselves, isn't it? And we need to work hard at that. And I want to encourage us all again in this church as well that we work hard and um, to work hard, especially people you don't like, that's the ones you need to work harder to love and get your way to be a blessing to them. Or else what we do is we get separations. So that's, for, can I just say that to all of us, you know, that we need to work harder um, to just to, to reach out to those who are a little bit not necessarily my type of people. Amen. And I'll let you decide who they are. So we know that the essence of the law, and that's the heart of the law. The heart of the law is love. The heart of the law is love, always was love. The law was never meant to be oppressive. It was meant to be a, a, the ideal, the ideal guidance. The law was our task, was our teacher. It was to guide us and shape us and mold us. And it was there to keep us right standing with God and right standing with one another. It was rules and regulations which was for our good, not for God's good, for our good. It helped us to know who he is. This is the word of God here this morning. It's a wonderful book. But we need to learn this book. We need to read this book. We need to allow this book to penetrate into my heart. And more importantly, I need to follow what this book is telling me to follow. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And if we all do that, we'll do well this morning. But the first thing here we would see then, and as the Lord says here, arise and begin your journey. 
And especially at the beginning of this year, you know, we can set ourselves, and sometimes we set ourselves, um, you know, like this year I'm going to do this, 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 and that, or, you know, this is my year, and we can set ourselves great promises, can't we? This is this, you know, and we make vows and we make we make plans, and usually they all usually sometimes crash. But end of the month, we've just we're burnt out, you know, and it's back to the drawing board and back to the same old. I want to encourage you. Listen, it's a rise. Begin your journey. And I think that is the word. If I was going to give a heading to this um, um, sermon this morning, it's arise and begin your journey. Whatever that journey is for you and all of us together, but we've all got an individual journey, but we've got a collective journey as the people of God and as the Eastgate Church, as we navigate where was God taking us and what's God want to do in us and through us. And you have to believe, oh, God's got a plan for my life. He's got a plan for your life. Hallelujah. If you're living and breathing and you've opened up your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, he's got a plan for you. Trouble is, not many sometimes people miss out on my journey, my plan, because we don't focus upon it. And sometimes we really need to start to refocus. And go down here, it's easy to get bogged down. Unfortunately, we didn't get too many bogs yesterday, Thomas, because everything was frozen. It was mostly ice and sliding. Um, it had a little wee bit of a boggy area at, point, at points. But it is, isn't it? It's easy to get settled, settled in your ways, get comfortable. Easy to be comfortable, isn't it? And that's not a good place to be. I'm just comfortable. Because when you're comfortable, you don't necessarily want to move on. You get comfortable and settled. Other little place, other you got, you can get trapped. You ever feel you get trapped in circumstances and you struggle to get out of them? You can get trapped or disorientated. You ever feel that you get up there and, and you know, on a mountain sometimes you can lose the plot and you can get disorientated and lose the pathway and get lost in there. Or you go around in circles. That's what the Israelites did for 40 years in the wilderness. God led them just going round in circles, going round and going round. It's a little bit just keep walking, going round the mountain, going round the mountain, going round the mountain. I liken it to the little hamster and the wheel in the cage. <laughs> Ever get fed up running around the wheel, the same old wheel? Hallelujah. Now there is things we have to do, base, you know, we're, we're constantly having to do. But sometimes we get trapped like a little hamster in the wheel. We've seen that to somebody recently. You get stuck in a rut, and ruts are difficult places to get out of. The more you sometimes try and get out of a rut, guess what? The rut gets deeper and deeper and deeper. If you ever get caught with your tires and muck, uh, it gets there, doesn't it? Or do you ever feel as if you're drifting aimlessly? I've not got a point. Where am I going? You just seem to be drifting aimlessly, like a piece of wood in the sea of life. I wrote that down. I thought it was quite profound there. What do you, 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 you think, Jean? Just drifting aimlessly, just wherever the tide is going, I just seem to be getting washed around, you know, washed up on this shore, the next shore, whatever. Hallelujah. We're a people of purpose, hallelujah. We need to lift our sails and catch the wind of the Spirit and allow God to direct our paths where He is planning to take us. We know Proverbs 29 and 8 says this, where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint, but blessed is the one who heeds the wisdom's instructions. Or another verse, we say, where there is no vision, the people perish. We need to have vision. We need to have an understanding. We need to have an idea where we're going. We don't just walk around like aimlessly. We really need to have some place that we can focus upon. Hallelujah. So as I says, we all have a journey, all of us. And this is what, this is what um, Moses is writing here as well. Now he says, now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you in verse 12? What does God require of you? You ever ask that question yourself? What does God require of me? What does God require of you? What does God require of us as people? Sometimes we're not just here, we're not just blobs. 
We're not just numberless people that God just says, well, we've got a mass of people down there and one day I'm going to come to, to heaven. There's a plan. There's a purpose. I was talking to Thomas that yesterday. There's a plan and a purpose. I've got a, I've got a part to play in the kingdom of God, which is here and now. We're not waiting to get into the kingdom of God. We are in the kingdom of God. We're now in the kingdom of God. We're the people of God. And God has got a plan and a purpose for us. And he desires to use us. But we need to actually bring ourselves into the place where we can say, Lord, here I am. Use me. Amen. I think it's in that verse in Isaiah. Is it around about chapter 6 or something? And the Lord says, who will I send? Isaiah stands up and says, here I am, Lord, send me. We know that is, very, that is very much for the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Here I am, send me. It's written about me in the law. From the very beginning of time, he was set apart, and the time came, here I am, send me. But we get Isaiah rises up to that as well. Lord, who will I send? Here I am, send me. We like to say, Lord, there he is, send him. <laughs> it's, always, it's always someone else, isn't it? Rather than, no, you have to take it personally to yourself. And I want to encourage everyone, I've always done that, I take this word personally. When Ben Patu used to preach, I let it hit me, I let it affect me. I wasn't thinking, well, that's for so-and-so over there and looking across there. Just pick you out, Anne, just randomly. Don't take it seriously. Well, that word there's for Anne, it's not for me. Usually it's, usually it's a bit of a harsh word, isn't it? Well, that's all. God's speaking to that lady. Or God's speaking to Helen, just picking out names there. I know these ladies won't get upset with me. Well, I hope not anyway. And, um, but you know what I'm saying? Rather than you take it to yourself, when we read this word, when we read the letters, whether it would be in the New Testament or the Old Testament, you should be reading it as, that. what's it saying to me? That letter's to me. It's speaking to me. We have to read this word. This, this word is to you and it's to me. And we need to start letting it affect us. And I want to encourage us to be entering into this year. So it's time for the journey, isn't it? And what does the Lord say to Moses? Arise and begin your journey that you may go and possess the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. It's time to take the land. As I say, you know, I think it's time for us to take the land. For far too long, we've sat back and we've allowed our nation to be taken over by dark, wicked, evil forces. What our fathers fought for, what our fathers gave their life for, what our fathers and their mothers and their children died, shed their blood for, fought a great battle and stood against the powers of darkness, that this nation of Scotland was called a godly land. Do you know our nation once was called a godly land? Do you know now people call us a godless land? Do you know that people are coming from many countries to evangelize us? And rightly so, because we're a godless bunch who have turned our backs upon God. Our churches are closing like 10 to the dozen. 10 to the dozen, they're just closing. And the people, even many churches now have been apostate and they are not holding firm to the word of God. We have lost our land to dark forces. Anyway, if you know me, I'm getting stirred up. I love the covenant or theme, and I visit with it often. And been away down there to Peden's Cove and with a guy called Grant Mullen who shares my love affair for this nation and for our history. And I stood there where Peden would have preached across the river to a group of people on the other side who have came for miles, walking across terrible terrain, terrible conditions, at the risk of their life, if they get caught up in a conventicle, they could have been put to death or they would have been fined great sums of money. And yet they did that even with their families sometimes. Hallelujah. Why? Because they had a love affair with God and they had a love affair with this word and they would travel out there to hear the word of God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And when we look today, when we see what's taking place today, we are a very poor, poor, 
poor insignificance in comparison to what we once had. So we've lost the ground. But I believe the Lord is saying to us, it's time to take the land again. It's time to take the land again. It's time to get in and possess the land. At one time we did possess this land. Scotland was known as a godly nation. It was known as a godly country. It was known across the world as a godly country, as a God-fearing people, as a people who loved the Lord and loved the word. Hallelujah. We were called the nation of covenanters. Glory to God. But now we've allowed, we've lost that brethren and the enemy has come and taken the land. And what I believe God is saying to me, it's time to take the land again, brethren. It's time for us, it's time to get, for us to get and possess the land or else what we're going to do, just sit back and just allow them to carry on this unfilthy, ungodly business which is taking place in our nation where our children are being taught filth and immorality in our schools, where our children are being aborted just as an exercise to say, well, let's just have an abortion, don't worry about it. Where our nation in Scotland is trying to lead the pack, Charles, I'm ashamed. Thank God for England coming to our rescue in the last couple of occasions and blocked the Scottish government for wanting to be not just leading the charge in Britain, but leading the charge in Europe. Oh, we're going to be this new great nation now that's going to be leading the charge in the new moral values of today, which come from the very pits of hell, and Scotland wants to lead the charge. Oh, how terrible indeed is that. It's time for us to take the land, brethren. It's time for us to rise up and to actually stand up, hallelujah, and take this land again for the, for the glory of God. That's what God is placing within my heart this morning as I bring this word to you. So what is the Lord asking you to do? And this is a question I think all of us should ask, and I want to encourage us all. I'll just keep an eye on the time since I flung myself up. Can I've, I've kind of hemmed myself in with time. Everybody's saying, hey, Pastor. <laughs> Glory to God. And I'll ask you today, what is God asking you to do and not asking what, what's God asking somebody else to do, isn't it? Remember when the Lord takes Peter aside and he's reinstating him and Peter turns around and says, what about him? John, who happened to be following Jesus, what, what, what's him got to do with you, Peter? <laughs> you just do what I've told you to do and just leave him to me. I'll deal with him. Amen. So let's forget about the hymns around us and let's just concentrate on me and Lord, what you saying to me, what you, what's your word to me? And challenge yourself. Do you know it's good to challenge yourself? It's good to just put yourself on that, you know, on that on that pinnacle and say, Lord, I was going to do that because because Thomas was telling me about the the eye of the needle on top of the the, the cobbler. A wee bit icy, but there was a wee part of me. There's that wee edge there. I thought, oh, I want you to get out there, get a picture taken. I resisted the temptation because it was a wee bit slidey, and one of the cliff edges was like prettiest down there, you know. And um, I thought, I better not, that'd be a bit foolhardy. I thought, maybe I'll come back up in the spring and I'll get my picture in the eye of the needle. But there was something about the eye of the needle, you know, that the Lord even makes remarks on, doesn't he? How hard it is. Glory to God. But then he goes on to say this, and what does he say? What does it require of us, you know, to fear the Lord? To fear the Lord your God. Amen. Something that we're not hearing very much in the church, and I've been meaning to preach in it, but I will never do justice in such a short little period in this because I want to speak about a couple of things. But the fear of the Lord, hallelujah, the glory of God. Psalm 33 and 8 says this, let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him. 
Let the whole world fear the Lord and let everyone stand in awe of him. Psalm 33 and 8. Proverbs 9 and 10 says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. I used to have a small business. I called myself Wisdom Building Services and do you know what? I had Proverbs 9 and 10 on the back of my van. Hallelujah. Brian, he's, he's picked up on and, and a little bit of that as well with uh, his little business. Glory to God. Hallelujah. He's plumbing business. And Brian's got a little bit of a flavor of the presence of God and the scriptures on his van as well. But hallelujah. I used to drive around with that. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And I need to, I need to revisit that as well. Revisit. What does that mean to fear the Lord? Another little verse here, Psalm 5 and 7 says this, But as for me, I will come into thy house in the multitude of thy mercy, and in thy fear I will worship towards thy holy temple. Hallelujah. I could read many, many, many scriptures to you, but if you want to do a wee concordance, a wee search, a wee word search, you just search that, the fear of the Lord, and visit with it. Now, it's not talking that kind of fear where you feel as if somebody's going to come and smash you with a sledgehammer. You know, you're going to be terrorized. Somebody's going to torture you. It's not that. It's talking about a holy, reverential fear of who this God is. That we can stand in awe, in awe, in the awesome presence of the living God when you understand who he is. There's a holy awesomeness and fear. That's what the word enlarged would mean. Is that awesome? And the, the awesomeness and the glory of God, that you stand there in awesome wonder at the presence of God and the fear of God. And there has to be a point of the fear of God as well, that if I step out of line, I know that God is going to deal with me. That, that is there naturally in the law of the land. How much more so in the law of the word of God, hallelujah, in the presence of God, that I know I've overstepped the mark that I'm going to be dealt with. So much more so because, listen, you can always maybe con your way out of trouble or lie your way out of trouble as far as the world is concerned and get off the hook. Not so with God. You'll never get off the hook with God. Every little thing is he hears. Every voice, every word that comes out of your mouth, every action Every reason behind the action, he knows all things. Hallelujah, glory to God. But thank God we've got a merciful and a forgiving God who is there for us. But the fear of the Lord, the Bible's asking us there, should we fear the Lord? Holy reverential fear that stands in the wonder and adoration I've got down here. It's impossible to truly love God outside the knowledge of that reverential fear of God. Amen. I'll say that again because I thought it was good. I did get it myself. It says here, it's impossible to truly love God outside of the knowledge of the reverential fear of God. And you know that little phrase, familiarity breeds contempt. We can get too comfortable, too familiar with someone. Hallelujah. We become, we take them for granted, isn't it? We can take people for granted. We can take God for granted. We just, you know, we've lost that reverential fear of who he is. You'll never love God out with that reverential fear of who he is. To really know that love that you can really Love the Lord, hallelujah, and give him glory and praise and honor. Amen. I would say that's the biggest problem within the church today. We've taken God for granted. We've become too familiar with him. It's all become a bit me, 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 mine, mine, mine. I need this, I want this, I need that. Do you know, the scripture says that's not what it's about, guys. You have to realize it's, it's, it's about, Lord, what can I do for you? We are here to serve God. God's not here to serve us. Hallelujah. We are here to serve God. We are the servants. He is the Lord. Hallelujah. And we are called to serve him. And we need to get back and we need to turn the tables and put God rightly in his position. I need to find my position. Hallelujah. Glory to God. 
And then that, when we find that place, that's a wonderful place when you can allow God. It's time for us to just lose that familiarity and start to find out the awesome and the gloriousness of this God that we serve. Get that holy fear within me again. I want to tell you this, it will keep you on the straight and narrow for sure. So the Lord is saying that to fear the Lord. Then it goes on to say to walk in his ways and to love him by serving him with wholehearted devotion. That means unreserved. And I'll put my hands up and say, well, I'm ashamed, really. Do I can really, can I say I really serve God with, you know, my whole heart, with all my soul? Has he become the driving force of, of me and everything that I would do? Or has the world get such a hold on me and I've got all these other driving forces that are actually that drive me? Don't forget, guys, there is driving, natural driving forces that God has placed within us, amen? But we have to find the priority. Is God your priority? Is he my priority? And I will keep saying that. Unwholehearted devotion, unreserved. Hallelujah, glory to God. There's moments in my life when I can touch it. And I said, this year I'm going to touch it, Lord. I'm going to become consumed with the Lord. Hallelujah. I'll be going to become a fool for Christ. And I don't care who, under, who, who knows it and who doesn't know it. And, then, and for you who have been out in some of the streets and pays, I'll stand up there and I'll declare it. I love the Lord Jesus Christ and I don't care who hears it. Amen. Unreserved. Praise the Lord. Amen. I want to be about my father's business. So we have to see these things. You know, Jesus said these words, to walk in his ways. What does that mean? He says he wants us to walk in his ways. Are we walking in God's ways? Are we walking in our own ways? And that's something I want to challenge all of us to see as we move forward into this year. Hallelujah. Jesus says this in Matthew 7, 13, 14. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. Many enter through it. Small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. But there are few who find it. It's quite a sobering words from the Lord to himself. There's a narrow road and there's a broad road. For us who are in the Lord, we have to walk that narrow road, which is a restrictive road. I'm not free, as the world would be free, to enjoy the things of the world. I now have been limited, and I need to find the, the road that the Lord is asking me to walk. Jesus said this in 1324, says, Strive to enter by the narrow door. For many, I say unto you, shall seek to enter it, but they shall not be able to. To walk in that narrow road, my friend, is going to, call, is going to be sacrificial but it's going to be very beneficial. Amen? Sacrificial, but it'll be ultimately beneficial for my eternal destiny. I was mentioning, I was mentioning a lot of things to Thomas. That's what happens when you're walking up a mountain and, you know, and we're talking. And I, always, I remember saying to someone, and I remember I was sharing with them just a conversation, I had someone in the street. I said, you know something, we live our whole life and we, and we want to make sure we've got all the boxes ticked. Right, okay, Linda, if anything happens to me, you're going to get X number of pounds and my children, these are, are going to be well taken care of. The house will be yours, this will be yours, that will be yours. I'm not going to leave any day. Everything's going to be fine. In fact, I probably could say, and I'm not, because we, we need to look at my shelves, don't we? Um, some people, actually, they're better off dead than what they are alive because they're, more, they're worth more money because they cover all their boxes because I'm insured to the hill. And yet they make no provision for the eternity. They make no provision for the eternity. Brothers and sisters, we do not live in the natural. We live in the eternal. And what am I taking? It's most important. It's not what I'm leaving behind. It's what I'm taking, it's what I'm taking with me. <laughs> it's what am I taking with me. What are you taking with you into the eternity? Are you making provision for eternity? Because the Bible says everything that in this world is just going to go, shh. That's what's going to happen to you. It's just going to go, shh. Gone. Tinder. Ash. That's it. It's gone. Nothing. 
but that which is eternal is going to be taken there. Jesus says that, doesn't he? Why do you store up riches in this world where moth and rust destroy? He says, store up riches in that world where moth and rust and nothing will destroy, which will be kept for the eternal and have eternal rewards for you when you enter into your glorious kingdom. We were talking, I think we were talking about everything, Thomas, you know what I mean? The kingdom of God, what, what does that mean? What does it look like? Hallelujah. You know, Paul says this, if only for this life, he says, as Christians, that we could have hope and have joy. He says, what pathetic people we would be. He says, our hope and our, our, our faith isn't in this life, it's in the life to come. Because this life, I'm telling you, is a, this life is a terrible life. You might be doing okay in this life, but wait a you look across the globe just now, there's a lot of terrible situations taking place and getting worse by the minute, hallelujah. And everything can change in an instant. But that life is 100% secure for us with eternal rewards forever and ever and ever. Hallelujah. That's where I'm banking, my friends. I'm banking in heaven. I've not got a lot to be banking in this life for. But praise the Lord. So we can see here, the Bible says we're to walk in his ways, love and serve him. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We need to walk that narrow road, friends, because that's what he's asking us to do. We walk contrary to the world. Glory to God. Amen. So let me just read a portion of scripture here as well in John, since I've got it written down. John's gospel. We have to walk according to his word and walk in obedience to the Lord. And John chapter 14, we'll read from verse 23. Jesus answered and said this. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words. And the word which you hear is not mine, but it's the Father's who sent me. Jesus said nothing of himself. He only said what he heard from his Father. Amazing. So the Bible here in Deuteronomy tells us that we are, we're called to love the Lord. To love him with a whole heart, soul, and spirit. Do you know that love can be quantified? Amen. You can measure it. So it's easy to say, I love someone. I can easily just say, I, I, you know, I love you, Lord, and we can sing the songs and we, we can say it in a prayer, we can say it. But actually, love actually can be quantified, it can be weighed, it can be measured, hallelujah. And Jesus measures it by how we walk in obedience to the Father. Jesus says, don't say you love me and yet you walk and you don't do what I tell you to do and you're walking rebellion me. If you truly said you love me, you will do as I've asked you to do, hallelujah. I should be walking in obedience and this is what, the essence here, we're reading in Deuteronomy. We've been called to love the Lord. So it can be quantified, it can be measured, it can be weighed in the scales. Do you remember there was the man called Belshazzar and the book of Daniel and the, the hand appeared in the wall and that finger again, isn't it? There's not too many places you see the finger of, well, it was the Lord. It could have been the finger of an angel. Who knows? I'm not going to be pedantic on that matter. But when it wrote up that, these wonderful words and one of them was when it was interpreted it says, you've been weighed in the scales and you've been found wanting. <laughs> you've been weighed in the scales and you've been found wanting. Do you know that every single one of us will be weighed in the scales one day before the Lord, his scales, and he will see how much we measure up. He'll see exactly, you know, what, what the substance of who you are will be found out. Hallelujah. One day. And I want to say that. That means all of us. And that means all of us who walk with the Lord. 
We will give an account of this life. We will be given account of the talents that's been given to us and for the giftings that God has given to us. We will be held accountable to what God has asked us to do. We need to find out what's God asking me to do? What's he saying to me? And what is my journey? And these are the questions that I brought at the beginning. I'm just throwing them back out to us even now. I love the Lord Jesus Christ that says, and he, and he says this, for the one who has sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. Isn't that amazing? The Lord Jesus Christ, he says, I always do what pleases my Father. And we know when that glorious word came from the heavenly realms, and it says this, this is my beloved son whom I love on that Mount of Transfiguration. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. Hallelujah. Do you know something? It's like, I just, I just love it when I know that God is feeling pleased with me. You know, children really excel, don't they? When you, when you, when you, really, when, when you really encourage them. Like little Lauren staying with us yesterday, you know, and it's just like, you know, I was, I'm, I'm doing, I like to do wee numbers with him, you know, do the wee kind of dot, 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 dots, and then he does a nine, and he went, oh, I've never seen a nine like that, that is a perfect nine, absolutely phenomenal, look at that nine. And the wee face is all lit up. You know something, you know, it's like, see sometimes when you just feel the father saying, Arthur, I'm happy, you're doing a good job. And the father will speak to us at times. I'm happy. You, you just get that inner sense in your spirit. There's a, there's a quickening, there's a, there's a spring in your step. Hallelujah. Well, I'll tell you that, whenever I'm happiest, whenever I feel that I'm just kind of walking in those ways, and to my shame, I'm not walking in them enough. Amen. I ain't here blowing my trumpet, friends, by any means. What I'm doing is I'm just trying to encourage you as I encourage myself. It's a time of reflection. I want to walk in the ways of God. I want to love him more than I've ever loved him before. And I know my love is in shallow and in, in the comparison to which he's asking from me. But I'm making my purpose. Lord, I want to love you more this year. Lord, I want to be more obedient to you and what the things that you're asking me to do. Lord, what's the journey you've got for me? Please give me the strength to actually walk the road that you want me to walk. If it's narrow, and it is narrow, and sometimes that means I need to crucify my flesh because the flesh becomes a distraction and wants to war against me and pull me to that side, to that side. I said, Lord, keep me on the right side. Hallelujah. And again, I'm speaking to myself, but it's good to speak to yourself. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, it depends how you speak to yourself. No, you're a poor wee soul. You're all, oh, you're all fine. Everything's cool. Pick your feet up. You'll be great. Everything will be wonderful. Rather than I, I, I do beat, I, I do challenge myself. I'm too hard on myself. I think Linda said that to me sometimes. Well, put it this way. I would rather be too hard on myself than too soft on myself. Does that make sense? Right? When people say you're too hard on yourself, I say, well, praise God. I would rather be too hard on myself than too soft on myself. You don't have to try and find the, the balance. It's okay being a wee bit soft now and again, you know, and just give yourself a few treats. But I want to tell you this, but I'll tell you this, when I'm feeling hard on myself, then it keeps me on that, that cutting edge and forces me to go the, the extra mile and to get there. Then we'll finish with this and, he's, and just to pick up there. Because it's, it's amazing, it says there, for circumcise, some verses will just say circumcise your hearts, but it says circumcise the foreskin of your heart and, you, and be stiff-necked no longer. And we know what that means. That means be careful you don't have a hardened heart. Your hearts are hard, you know. And that means you are stubborn. That means you're rebellious. That means that God is struggling to control you because you're too busy doing your own thing. And to be stiff-necked also means the exact same, you know, that you're not walking in the ways of the Lord and God is struggling to actually 
to take charge of us because I'm too busy being in charge of myself. And so he says, so for be stiff-necked and circumcise your hearts. I mean, true circumcision, and Romans tells us that in 2 and 28, and other people have taken it to mean something that's not actually sane. We are not the Israel of God. Can I tell you that right now? I'm a Scotsman. I'm a Scotsman. I am a Gentile, a Gentile believer in Messiah who has been grafted into Israel's tree, but I am a Gentile. I am not Israel. Amen. I'm a Gentile who's been grafted in to Israel's tree. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I'm a happy Gentile. Glory to God. I, who has got equal status in the Messiah. Because Jesus turned to them and says, I, you know, when he's talking about the sheep of the fold, and he says, I've got other sheep of another fold, and they will come with me also. I've got other sheep. He came first for the sheep of Israel who rejected him, who turned their backs upon him. But then he opened up the gate. He opened up his heart now to the whole world, which was always his plans and purposes. And he brought all these Gentiles in. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Giving us equal status. An equal share. Hallelujah. And the Messiah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Therefore, though there is no Jew or Gentile, there is one in Christ Jesus. Glory to God. And that will be completely manifested when we come into the kingdom of God. It's interesting, and I'll finish with this, and let me just check the time. We're, we're okay there. It's interesting when Stephen stands up and addresses in Sanhedrin, isn't it? You know, it caused him, uh, it was such a great speech and preach. It caused him to get stoned to death at the end of it. You know, that, just, that just shows you how, how good that was, wasn't it? Because he inflamed that religious spirit, the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, who didn't like to actually to hear the truth. You know, sometimes, I mean, it's, it's not just the Pharisees and the Sadducees, you know, sometimes we don't like to hear the truth, you know, and somebody reads your card, you know, and, um, and just calls you out and calls into these situations. And just that little bit, once he, he, he kind of just goes through the, the history of Israel, Moses, and the times when Israel rebelled against God, but then he turns and at verse 51, chapter 7, it says this, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. You always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did. So do you. Amen. Here in Deuteronomy, Moses encouraged people, be stiff-necked and be hard-hearted and, and, and circumcised in heart. You know, open up your hearts afresh unto the Lord. Allow God to do a new work in the hearts. Here's the word, another word. <laughs> open up your hearts to the Lord, brothers and sisters, as I've chosen to die in the mind. Be honest with yourself. Open your heart up before God. And allow God to do his work in your heart. Say, Father, circumcise my heart. My heart's hard. My heart is hard. I'm, and I'm, listen, I'm talking to myself here. I know my heart's a bit hard. I'm saying, God, going to soften this heart. Going to do a new work in this heart of mine. Going to work in my heart. Because the heart is the wellspring, is the springboard of your life. Everything comes from your heart. Everything comes from your heart. It's not your brain. It's just an organ, your brain. It's the heart. That's the heart of the matter. That's the depth of who you are. Let God to do that work in your heart. Say, Father, you have to give him permission. Say, Father, I want up my heart to you. At the beginning of this year, please come and do a new work in my heart. Father, my heart's hard. I'm, Father, I've got a stiff neck. I don't like you. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I'm a wee bit too shh, doing my own thing. And I'm not walking in the ways of the Holy Spirit. I want, to be, I want to be in tune with your Holy Spirit. You know, the Bible says in Galatians, Galatians 5 is a wonderful chapter. There's a bit of homework for you. Go home and read that. The flesh and the Spirit, they war against each other. There's a battle going on. The flesh wants to do this. The Spirit wants to do that. And you are in court in the middle. 
Who's going to control your life at the beginning of this year? Is it the flesh, which is the you, or is it the Spirit of God? Again, I was encouraged to read the book, Reese Hills, The Intercessor, and I think it's chapter five, strangely enough. It's chapter, chapter five, and, um, and in that chapter it says, when he then was challenged by the Holy Spirit to give, surrender his life to the Holy Spirit, and he took a couple of days, he had to say, it was a major, major decision to turn himself over and allow the Spirit of God to use him. He had to surrender his will and allow the Holy Spirit to come to accomplish his will. Do you know that's what God has asked for us, that God has asked for us to come and to surrender our lives to him, that God might work in us and through us. Amen. For his glory, for his praise, and for his honor. I want to encourage all of his brothers and sisters because you know something? I want to fulfill the plan and purpose of God for my life. And I want to see God fulfill his plan and purpose in your life. And I want to see God doing an amazing work in this church called East Gate Church. For the, the very foundation of what we would see ourselves was, we want to see the glory of God back in his church. We want to see the presence of God back in his church, not only back in his church, but back into then feeding out into the nation. I've always said for the land of Scotland, hallelujah. I want to see God moving again. I want to start to see taking this land back, taking the ground that we have lost and taking it back for the glory of God. And that's going to be costly, brothers and sisters, because you, we've got an enemy out there. And whenever you decide to say, I'm going to stand up for the Lord, you're going to find all hell's going to break loose in your life to say, hey, get that guy back in his cage or that woman. Do you know what? I've got so much more to say, but I'm going to belt up. All right. <laughs> I'm going to just belt up because I want to finish this with a wee reflecting time of prayer. Guys, guys, could I ask you to come up and sing one, one song? Is that, is that possible? So I think it's good if we just stop with a time of reflection rather than me rambling on any longer. You've got the gist of what I'm trying to say at the beginning of this year. Let's make this year your year, hallelujah. Our re the real life is with God. That's what it is. That's where our real life is, is with God. Maybe you, you know yourself that you're not in the place where you should be, and I'm going to leave that with you. I'm not going to ask anybody to come out here and make pledges and make oaths and stuff. I would just ask as we maybe we sing a reflective song this morning as we finish this service. Do you know, at the beginning of this year, just so you know, I mean, it's Listen, guys, it's a willingness to say, okay, Lord, I, 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 I'm giving you more. I'm, 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 giving you, I'm giving you my life afresh today. Do, do a fresh work in me. Like, you know, that, that's just a willingness. God's only looking for the willingness, and then the rest will unfold as we go, as the journey begins. You know what? Life is a journey. It's a journey. Amen? And as you progress in the journey, God is only looking for somebody to say, right, here's a willingness to say, Lord, okay, I'm, I'm bringing myself back to this place. I've been around the wilderness for far too long. That's the essence of Moses. Now we're ready to take the promised land. We're now, we've failed. We've been wandering around the wilderness, but now here we are. The land's before us. And the Lord says, now go and take the land. Go and take the land. Hallelujah. I believe it's a word for me personally and for you. And I, I, I would like to think for the church and the nation. It's time for us to take this land back again, which we have lost it's time for us to go out there and fight the giants of this life which have taken power and authority over it and to rise up and to see the kingdom of God established again in this land called Scotland that our fathers and our mothers and our children died and gave their lives for. They gave everything for it. And I think the Lord is saying to you, am I willing to do, give everything I've got for this land? 
again, as they did in the past. And that's what I'm going to challenge myself as we move into this year. So I'm just going to ask the band, to do, I'll let them pick a song. And, um, and just in that song, as we come to a conclusion of the service this morning, I would just ask you personally, and I'm going to say myself personally, they would just say, Lord, you know, Lord, here I am. Use me. Amen? As the words in Isaiah. Lord, here I am. Use me. And then you just offer yourself up to the Lord. And then let the journey begin. Let the journey begin. Hallelujah. And let God lead you by His Spirit. He only needs that willingness, that willingness to say, okay, I'm in. As someone wants to say, I'm all in. Amen. Glory to God. This is the air I breathe. This is the air I breathe. Your holy presence living in me. This is my daily bread. This is my daily bread. Your very word spoken to me. And
God. Hallelujah. You know, sometimes I'll put that on in the morning when Geraldine and I are heading to the morning prayer meeting. I pick her up and we come to the morning prayer meeting, which takes place every Monday through Friday, Friday nights, uh, here in uh, Eastgate Church. And that song goes on and she goes, that's her song. The air I breathe. And it's wonderful, isn't it? You know, desperate and we can sing that song to the Lord. Can I just take a little bit of a liberty to say this? Think of the Lord singing that song to you. Do you know that the Lord loves us immensely and he's desperate for us? I'm taking that liberty. Do you know that God is desperate for us? And, and you know, we sing that song to the Lord. But do you know the Lord, I would echo that back. See, when you know this God and the love of this God, he's desperate for us to have that fellowship with us, to have that wonderful place where he can bring us to be one with him. Do you know that's what God has done? This isn't a, a casual relationship that God has given to us. Do you know that we've got something so much more than a casual relationship? The, the natural family does not even come into comparison with it. And you know the love you have for your children, brethren, and your loved ones. Your wife should have for your husbands, and husbands should have for their wives. But that is nothing in comparison to the love that God has for us and that relationship that he wants to bring us into. It. Hallelujah. So let that song resonate in your brain that God is desperate for that fellowship with us. And see this year, just say, Lord, that's, Lord, bring me into that, bring me into that place, Lord. And start the journey. Amen. Start the journey. Start now just going in the journey with him. Just allow him to take you on the journey. Just say, Lord, here I am. Take my hand. Lead me on. Hallelujah. Let us bring me closer unto you. And when you say that this year, I want you to tell you that and say that before God. I want to tell you this. God will take you. Amen. That is music to the ears of God. When he sees a man or a woman or a boy or a girl that just says, hey, Lord, I want to know you. I want to love you. That is music to his ears. And I want to tell you this, he will scoop you up and he will carry you and he will bring you close. And there's a closeness and um, I was reflecting that with Thomas yesterday. I said, I'm nowhere near where I need to be. But thank God, I've still got the desire to go there. Amen. Glory to God. I've still got the desire to go there. I've not parked my car someplace. I'm still on the journey. And it's maybe taken me a bit longer than I'd like to get there, but glory to God, I've still got that love affair with my God to say, I need to touch you. I need to touch you. I need to reach out and take hold of you. Take hold of me. Give me the strength, Lord. I'm a weak man at times, you know. I'm full of nonsense. Lord, help me. Strengthen me and encourage me. That is my prayer for you. Father, bless every single person in this room today. Touch their hearts, Lord, as only you can by your spirit. Stir them up, O oh Lord. As Paul writes to Timothy and says, stir up the gift of God within you. Lord, I pray, stir them up, Lord God, deep within their heart and their spirit. Let your love melt every hardened heart, every stiff neck, Lord God. Let it be lubricated to stay. Help us to be a people to say, Lord, here I am. Take me, use me for your glory, for your praise and honor. For Father, everything's for your glory, praise and honor, Lord. Bless my brothers and my sisters today, Lord God, in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. And amen and amen. Thanks for watching. If you've been challenged today, then please drop a message so that we can help support and pray for you. And also, remember to subscribe to our channel so you don't miss the next message.